0: It was about a year ago when I realized that in my own spiritual life, I really couldn't win the year. And then I tried to win the month, and I thought, my gosh, I'm about the most unspiritual pastor who's ever lived. I can't even win the week, okay? But I began to realize I can win the day. And when you begin to put into practice winning the day, it changes everything. And so we're going to talk about something today, about winning the day, that's absolutely critical. And everybody, if you're a mom, you want to win the day. If you're a dad, you want to win the day. If you're in business, if you're in sales, you don't win the year, you've got to win the day. If you're a school teacher, you must win the day, you can't win the week. And so everybody realizes you break this down into bite-sized pieces and, and you can win. Today's topic is critical because if you don't do this right... You will not win in life. You will not win often. You will not win in love. You will not win in family. You will not win in business. Today's topic is absolutely critical. Because if you don't get this one, you won't win. You you can't. This one is the bedrock foundation of being able to win. Now, what is today's topic? Well, I'm not going to tell you just quite yet. All right. Who is this coach? ...that I'm going to put on the screen. Who is that coach? Who is it? Dabo Sweeney. Now, if you're an Alabama fan, you, you probably want to walk out of here... ...or go to the Baptist Church right about now... And, ...and we'll give you communion again on the way out... ...so you can repent of your sins, okay? But I, I want to tell you just a little bit about this gentleman, this coach. In 2008, Clemson was looking for a new coach... And he's interviewing. And during the course of the interview, the trustees are asking him a bunch of hard questions. And their trustees' standard is right here, and Dabo Sweeney's vision is right here. And so the trustees are now comparing Clemson, who's got an average football team in 08, they're comparing them to fsu uf university of miami to alabama they're comparing at notre dame they're comparing them to other schools and the trustees are telling him in the interview that we want you to build a great program like these other schools academically and athletically and they're naming all these other colleges he's been up you know pretty much all week preparing for the interviews and he's exhausted And he's telling himself, don't say anything, don't say anything, you got the job, keep quiet, you got the job, don't say anything. He said, I couldn't help myself. Here's what he said to the trustees. Sir, I I don't mean this disrespectfully, but that's not my vision at all. My vision is so much bigger than that. My vision is that we will create a program where the football programs that you mentioned, FSU, UF, University of Miami, Notre Dame, where you mentioned, they will want to be like us. 2008, Clemson's an average football team. Now notice the vision and the hope that stems from this man. I'm not trying to build a program like these other guys. I want to be where everybody wants to be what? Like us. He said, that's my vision. In 2008, when this country is going through a major recession, the people from the Silicon Valley forgot that we were in a recession. And they decided to change the world. And while the whole country is struggling and many people are downturning, there were people like Mark Zuckerberg who said, You know what? I'm going to attract millions of followers on Facebook. And he did. And then it was a guy like Jack Dorsey, all these guys in the Silicon Valley, one Twitter, one tweet, 140 characters at a time, changing the world. And even though there were six guys that came up with PayPal, Elon Musk said, you know what, I'm ready for something else. I want to go into space. I want to try to build electric cars. And and Larry Page took Google and made Google a verb verb. It's a verb. How many of you Google seven, eight, ten times a day? I do it ten times a day. Google's my best. That's my mistress right there. (laughs) I talk to Google more than I do Danita. I promise you that. The whole country. But the Silicon Valley has hope. Now, if the Silicon Valley can have hope during the midst of a downturn, what about the church? What about you? What about your life? What about me? You see, what I want to talk about today is hope. You can live 40 days without food, four, uh, um, day, 40 days without food, four days without water, four minutes without air, but you can't live four seconds without hope. You can't live four seconds without hope. Hope is what changes the world. And why wouldn't we be the most hopeful people in the world? We have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the church, we have the community, we have the scriptures, we have the Holy Spirit. We have two-thirds of the Trinity praying for us every single day. We have Jesus and the Spirit praying, interceding, intervening for us all the time. And so here's what he says to us in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This is one of my favorite verses. Screenshot it, put it on your phone, put it on your computer, put it on your bathroom mirror, whatever you do. Put lipstick, write it down, whatever you want to do. This is a great verse to remember. This is a game changer. And winners bleed hope. Winners breathe hope. And winners are brimming over with hope. And so Paul says, may the God of hope, right off the bat, we learn something about God. He's a hopeful God. He's not a hopeless God. He's not a discouraged God. He's not a loser God. He's a God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, what? You've got to navigate through life and put your trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope. Now, I love that. Is there any reason for you and I not to overflow with hope every single day? We wake up with hope. We go through the day with hope. We go to bed with hope. We wake up the next morning with hope. We have hope, 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 hope. May the God of hope overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why should we have so much hope? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. He tells us in Romans chapter 5. At the right time when we were powerless, Jesus Christ died for you. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what's he saying? Occasionally, someone might give their life for a great cause... For a great person. But Jesus gave his life when we were in the pits. When life wasn't good. When we weren't good. When we didn't deserve it. When we weren't worthy of it. That's what he's saying. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved through God's, from God's wrath through him? This is why we have hope. We're saved. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son... How much more shall we be reconciled because we've been saved through his life? So what's he saying here? What's he saying? I don't know what they're saying, but I know what I'm trying to say. And I got hope, baby. I got all kind of hope. I don't know what that phone's doing. Anyway, um, let's talk about the difference between facts and truth. Because there's a great big difference between facts and truth. Because you're going to say to me, well, the facts are, I've got some health issues, I've got some relationship issues, I've got some business issues, I've got some finance issues. I'm not ignoring facts. You cannot ignore facts. To ignore facts would be foolish. No one can ignore facts. You you can't ignore facts. But, But the truth is, very different than the facts. Let me give you an example. So before we knew the story of David and Goliath, what would the experts have said to David? The experts would have come to David and said, David, do you realize the facts? You're a boy, he's a man. You're small, he's a giant. You got a slingshot, he's got armor. You got rocks, he's got a sword. Uh, The odds are, David, you're going to die. The experts would have said to David, you are unreasonably optimistic. You are unreasonably optimistic. That's what the expert would have said. What would the experts have said to Ezekiel when he looks at a valley of dry bones? The experts would have said, do you know how dry those bones are? Do you know how long those bones have been dead? Do you know how long those bones have been dry? Do you know what energy it's going to take? The experts would have said to Ezekiel, you are unreasonably optimistic. Well, I want you to know something. I am absolutely, unreasonably optimistic. Because my faith is not in you. It's not in me. It's not in culture. My faith and my optimism is in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so, so your greatest struggle to hope is what you have. Your greatest struggle to hope is what you have. You have more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. I'm going to break that down. I'm going to get in your business. Can I get in your business just a little bit this morning? So you're a single lady and you're dating somebody and you've been dating him for two or three years and it started off well and and how's it going now? It's not going that great. Well, do you love him? Well, I don't really think so. Well, do you like him? I don't really think so. And And, and, does he treat you with respect? Well, no, not really. And, well, why are you in this relationship? Why, why are you in a relationship that you don't, you have more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. So you stay, you stay with what you have, you have more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. Do you like your job? No, I don't like my job. Was it a good job? No, it's not a good job. Do you like the people you work with? No, I don't like the people I work with. What well, do you like the industry? No, I really don't like anything about my job. Why are you in that job? Well, I got a mortgage. We all got stuff. Because you have more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. And, and then let's, let's really get personal here for just a minute. If, if you're not a Christian, there are times when you don't even like your life. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus says, I want your life. Now, if I don't like something and somebody wants something I have, I'm going to give it to them, are you? I'm going to re gift it. If I, don't, if I don't like it, I'm going to re gift something I, I don't like. So you've got Jesus who wants your life, but, but you've got more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. You have more confidence in your life, even though you don't like your life. You really don't like your friends. You really don't like your associations. You really don't like the places that you're going. You really don't like your habits. But you've got more confidence in what you have than than what you hope for. And you see, we're the people who are writing holy history. We are the people who now participate in resurrection life. We're in resurrection life. And when you're in resurrection life, you are a world changer. Every one of us in this room, we are world changers because we have the power of the gospel and the spirit inside of us. So we're going to change our world. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's our mate. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our neighborhood. Maybe it's our community. Maybe it's our workplace. We are all world changers. You know this. Everybody knows this. Hope is an absolutely unstoppable force. The most powerful force in the world today is hope. And when we have it, we can charge hell with a water pistol. Right? So we're saved by believing in Jesus. We all know that. But you know how you're free? You're free by believing like Jesus. Jesus had hope everywhere he went. Jesus was never hopeless. Well, we've only got, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish, and we've got all these people to feed. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Well, we got, you know, the little girl's been dead now for about an hour and a half. Yeah, I, I know, I know. He was never hopeless, was he? Every certain, the facts were facts, but the truth is he, he was never hopeless. And so if you let your facts keep you from your hope, you will hold on to what you have. And honestly, you have more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. And what you hope for, there are very, very few limits. So, why do we have this kind of hope? Well, he tells us this. We've been justified through faith. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if, if you're not a Christian, what this is saying is, if you're not a part of church world, what this is saying is, is that you give your life to Jesus, he forgives you. He takes away your guilt, your sin, your shame forever. All your past, present, and future sins are wiped away. Max Lucado said it's too good to be true, but he also said it's too great to pass up. It is too good to be true. But really only a fool would pass that up and and walk away from that. He says, though, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, you have gained access into the one who has unlimited power and hope. You've gained unlimited access. Well, I got marriage trouble. You have unlimited access. I got financial trouble. You've got unlimited access. I've got health issues. You have unlimited access. I've got some emotional issues. You have unlimited access to what the king can do in your life. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Now, for some reason, we just run away from pain. We just run away, run away, run away, run away, run away. The Bible's always saying that pain drives you to growth. You want to grow, you've got to have some pain. I don't know that anybody likes push-ups, but if you don't do some spiritual push-ups, you won't get stronger, right? Same, same concept. Produces perseverance. Perseverance character, and character does hope. And hope never puts us to shame. Another translation says, hope never disappoints us. I love how it says that. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given unto us. So here's the big question. How do I grow more hopeful? Would you like to be more hopeful? Would you like to walk? That was a real question. Would you like to walk more in the power of the Holy Spirit? how, How do we do that? Let me give you some suggestions And here's the first one. First one is you start with yourself. All right, let me talk. Let's talk about this. Now I I don't know if this works for you, but this is what works for me. And so I'm going to give you something that I do. And again, if it doesn't work for you, just, just push delete. But when you start with yourself, if you listen to yourself, you will sink. Because when you listen to yourself, yourself says, I have a reason to be afraid. I have a reason to be arrogant. I have a reason to be bitter. I have a reason to be jealous. I have a reason to be insecure. I have a reason to be... You start listening to yourself. You come up with all these reasons. I don't listen to myself anymore. You know why? I don't trust myself. I don't trust my flesh. I do not listen to myself. About a year ago, Nina and I were gone, and we were actually in Mexico, and we were gone, and we started going through the promises of God, and we started listening. listening. There's 3,000 promises of God. I haven't written them all down yet in the last year, and I I just started listening to the promises of God. I don't listen to myself. I talk to myself. I talk to myself. I have to talk to myself. Yes, I'm crazy. If you see me out driving around talking to myself and the phone's off, I'm talking out loud to God. And I'm talking to myself. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Facts are, this is a problem. The truth is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The facts are, man, I have enough resources for something, but the truth is, my God shall supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I... The facts are someone may have shunned me, but the truth is I will never leave you or forsake you. There's such a difference between facts and truth, facts and truth, and you want to cling to the truth. And I talk to myself pretty much all day long. If I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm anxious about something, I don't listen to that. I turn that baby down. Mute. And I'm going to to talk to myself and just read and memorize and learn and hold on to the promises. Now, see, you have a choice. You will do one or two things. If you listen to yourself, you'll never have more hope. You'll have less hope. If you talk to yourself about the promises of God, your hope will get bigger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. We're writing holy history. You're not the story, but you're in the story, okay? Number two, I think you have to believe it. You have to believe it. You have to believe that God's real. You have to believe God has a plan for your life. You have to believe that God can overcome your barriers and overcome your obstacles. And again, the reason you don't overcome your barriers is you have more confidence in what you have than what you hope for. I want you to think about that this week. See, the beauty of being a pastor is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of case studies. I don't read about these things in books. I've been a pastor for 38 years. I'm learning human behavior. I'm watching people who concentrate, who talk to themselves versus those who listen to themselves. So, the second one is, you, you got to believe it. Um, William Bratton was the New York City Police Commissioner in the 1990s. Crime was at an all-time high in New York City during the era of Ruli Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani made William Bratton the New York City Police Commissioner. And cr- crime was just rampant. And so, what William Bratton did is he goes to the five police chiefs of the five boroughs, and on the same day, he individually interviewed all five of the chiefs. And the question was, do you believe that we can reduce crime in New York City? Three police chiefs said no. Two police chiefs said yes, but we're not quite sure how to do it. They asked William Bratton, what would you do next? He said, I fired three people on the same day. He said, because why play the game if you don't think you can win? Doug Conant was the CEO of Campbell Soup from 2001 to 2011. But in 2000, Campbell's Soup was going bankrupt. Now, what will we do without our chicken soup when we got sick? I mean, we'd, we'd all be in trouble without the chicken soup from Campbell's. So thank God it's still around. But in 2001, Doug Conant became the new CEO. And Campbell's Soup was on the verge of bankruptcy. 350 top leaders all were together, and he asked them basically the same question. Do you believe that we can improve the status of Campbell's Soup and get out of this? 350 leaders. 300 leaders said no. 50 leaders said yes. What did he do next? He did. He fired 300 leaders over the next two weeks and brought Campbell Soup out of it. If you don't believe you can win, if you don't believe you can be healed, you won't. If you don't believe you can grow, you won't. If you don't believe you can become a better mom, a better dad, a better grandparent, you won't. If you don't believe you can have a better job or better marriage, you won't. You've got the God of hope willing to fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. I think so. I agree. And, and, and by the way, I'm back, back, back to number two, um, It's, it's amazing what happens to you over 38 years as a pastor. I think you either get bitter or you get better. I think you either get bitter or you have more faith. I think you either get hopeless or you have more hope. Folks, I, I have seen the power of God. I'm personally having encounters with God like I have never had before. I, I am watching God work in my life in my heart. i'm watching god change me at 58 i feel like i'm in the third grade as a preacher i feel like i'm just now starting to figure some of this out the future is so bright there's so much hope and our job is to change the world in which we're in all right let me keep going or i'm gonna get off that tell yourself the god story it's another way that you that you grow you tell yourself God's stories. You know why? Because you're in a God story. You're not the story, but you're in the story. You're not the story, but you're a part of the story. And so as you're in this God's story, you remind yourself Moses didn't have a whole lot of faith, didn't have a whole lot of hope at age 40 to age 80. At age 80, he's got the burning bush thing going on. At age 80, Moses has a renaissance then Moses has more challenges. What are we going to do? Here's the Red Sea. The Egyptian army's coming behind us. Lift up your staff, Moses. Moses has an encounter with God and recognizes that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is just is an amazing story. And then they don't have any food. They don't have any water. There's quail. There's man. There's water that comes out of the rock. Peter. Peter denies Christ three times. And he, the, the third time was in front of a middle school girl. He's saying bad words in front of a middle school girl publicly that he doesn't even know who Jesus is. And when he encounters the resurrected Christ, you talk about hope. He goes from a coward to courageous. Game changer when they had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. So you tell yourself these stories. The woman at the well, she's had five husbands, and she's currently, you know, living with some guy. She's got no hope. She's coming to the well at high noon because it's so hot, and she doesn't want to associate with anybody. She doesn't want to see anybody. She has no hope. And she encounters the only man she's ever met who didn't want something from her. He had something for her. And that's your hope. You have someone who doesn't want something from you. You have someone who only has your best interest in mind and invites you, invites you to write holy history, invites you to come onto the parade with him and chain, tell yourself those stories. I'm not the story, you tell yourself. But oh my gosh, I'm in the story. And my last suggestion is something again. I've, I've watched this for 38 years. It's, it's cool not to have to read this stuff in books. It's cool to be able to write the books if you need to. I, don't, I have no desire to do that, but you, you, you know what this is about. The most influential person is not the critic. The most influential person is not the loud mouth. The most influential person is not the squeaky wheel. They get attention. But, but the most influential person, be the most hopeful person in the room, and you will have the most influence. Because everybody wants hope. We sell hope. We dispense hope. We give hope away. And there's an endless supply. Just watch two parents. One's critical and one's hopeful. Who do the kids go to? Just watch this at work. Two managers. One manager's hopeful. One manager's critical. Who do the people go to? Got a staff of pastors. One's critical. One's hopeful. Who do they go to? Two elders, one's critical, one's hopeful. Who do people go to? Two neighbors. Anybody want to go to a critical neighbor and talk about something? We avoid the critical neighbors, right? We pray they'll move, and we put a for sale sign in their house. I don't know what you do. You want to have influence? You want to have influence? You don't ignore facts. Oh. such a game changer and so here, here's what he's saying at just the right time he just wants you to remember Jesus gave his life for you so what's your biggest challenge right now what's your biggest challenge and I'm going to ask you for the next minute to pray and not listen to yourself I'm going to ask you to talk to yourself. You can do it out loud if you want to. I don't care. People think I'm crazy. I I know you're crazy. You're my flock. (laughs) Whatever your biggest challenge is, I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. Wow, what a promise. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I know you don't know how to pray, he says in Romans 8. I'll come around you and I'll pray for your weaknesses. You've got two-thirds of the Trinity intervening for you. You've got the Spirit and the Son praying over you. So what's your biggest challenge? Is it a child? Is it a marriage? Is it fear, bitterness, jealousy? Is, is it inside of you? Is it outside of you? What, what, what's your biggest challenge? And talk to yourself. The promises of God. You pray, and then I'll close this prayer. teach us in scripture that with you all things are possible just have faith just believe increase our belief increase our faith increase our belief increase our faith increase our belief increase our faith oh Lord Jesus we're not the story in the story. We are dispensers of hope. Hope to the hopeless. We give hope. It's not false hope. It's real hope. It's the real deal. You're the real deal. Praise and glory and honor belong to the King and to your kingdom. If, if you're not a believer yet, today's a great day to give your life to Christ. We'll ask the prayer partners to come down front right now. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And um, <clears throat> it's pretty simple if you've never done this before. You come down front. You just acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you tell these prayer partners, that would you pray for me and help me to give my life to you? They'll be all over this. They'll be all over this. Absolutely.